0: Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, once again we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the opportunity to worship and ask that You would bless our worship, that it might be to Your honor and to Your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Coming back to Galatians chapter 5, we want to pick up with verse 18 and comment somewhat on it. I won't, uh, I'll just, uh, in fact, I'll read verses 18 through the end of the chapter. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings and such like, of which I tell you before as I also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, longsuffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ's, have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. If you live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. Now, we spoke this morning with regard to the struggles of a child of God and that warfare that goes on. And... Naturally, we could have taken quite a bit more time by studying somewhat in Romans chapter 7. But uh, I think we uh, covered it sufficiently. And while there is a struggle, according to what we read here, we find that the child of grace walks after The Spirit, the child of grace, walks after the Spirit. Let's look at a few passages in First John alone. The first epistle of John, and we could multiply the verses, but I don't think it's need to needful at this hour. 1 John 4, uh, verse 4. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. Thankfully, the Spirit of God that dwells in the hearts of His children, after they have been regenerated, is of such that the child of grace is going to live in such a way that reflects that he is living after the Spirit or that he is a child of grace. In chapter 5 of 1 John, we see also in verse 4, For whosoever, excuse me, for whatsoever, and we could say whosoever, is born of God, overcometh the world. Now that's not a suggestion. That's not even a command. It's a statement of a fact. It didn't say if you're born of God God, you ought to overcome the world. It didn't say if you're born of God you should overcome the world. It says if you are born of God you overcome the world. No ifs or buts about it. And this is the victory that overcometh the world even our faith. It's not us that do it. It is the faith of God that He puts in us. And notice this, Who is He that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? So these verses here teach us plainly, if a person is a believer, if a man professes to be a believer, and he's not overcoming the world, then he's not a believer. He's just a professor. He just professes to believe. And from what we see in the day in which we live, it appears to me that a lot of professing believers are only professors. Because you don't see much people overcoming the world. If I remember the statistics correctly, I believe it was the Gallup poll that was done recently. And of the so-called evangelical community, it might have been the population of the United States, Sometimes they give those polls out so many different ways it's hard to keep uh, track exactly uh, who all was, which group was which. But whichever one it was, only 30% of people in America or evangelical, I forget which one it was, Either way is bad. Only 30% believe the Bible is accurate. And less than 50%, I don't remember the number, of preachers believe the Bible is accurate. And it was also a small percentage compared to the whole that believe that the Bible is without mistake and that it is uh, true in every place, though many believe that it might be, it had a lot of good things in it to live by. But the point is this. There are a lot of people in this United States that profess to be believers, but they're not overcoming the world. In fact, it would be hard pressed to see some people that profess to be believers just by the way they dress to even think they were believers. And the sad part about it is that these professed believers, they think they're right. But how can they be right when it says plainly in the Word of God that whoever is born of God overcomes the world? Trying to remember something that I heard recently. And I wish I could remember it because, <clears throat> well, I can't remember that, but I can remember something else. that I heard of a minister that said that the people in Romans 1 were just simply disobedient children of God. And I've even heard other preachers that stand in pulpits that have made the statement that People like uh, Hugh Hefner was a child of God, and even Hitler and Stalin. What in the world? How can how can we expect our nation to be any better than what it is when you hear such garbage as that being proclaimed? And what it was that I was trying to think of, uh, that I can't think of it right now, that I was told recently, it was something that some preacher believes or has preached that, uh, oh, yes, I know what it is. Uh, A certain preacher, uh, I don't know him, I've heard of him, uh, among our own denomination, that, Talked about how bad Clarence Thomas is because he was against abortion, and how the overturning of Roe v.ersus Wade was an ungodly thing, and how that it was oppressing uh, women. Now, how can a, a preacher that professes to believe the doctrines of grace and believe what the Bible say uh, say anything other than abortion and murder? But that's where we are, beloved. That's where we are. But from what we have seen from last Lord's Day and this Lord's Day too, as well as many others that we've preached, even though we as children of God struggle and we're sinners, and we struggle with the flesh and all of that our basic walk is that that overcomes the world we saw it here what we've read in first john also i'll read one other here in first john back in chapter 3 first john 3 And every man that hath this hope purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Notice, every individual that has a hope of the resurrection, not only of the resurrection of Christ, but that we will be resurrected, he does it say that He should purify Himself. It doesn't say that He ought to purify Himself. It says He does purify Himself. Verse 4. Whosoever committeth sin. And I don't have time to go into all of the verb tenses of this. And Lord willing, if we live long enough and preach. uh, get to this when we plan on preaching through 1 John when we get through with Galatians. But you should know this just from the King James English itself. You see that E-T-H on the end of commit? What does that tell you? Present tense. In other words, we would say it like this. Whosoever is committing sin. In other words, whosoever is living in sin. That's what it's talking about. In other words, if a man is living in drunkenness, or if he's living in adultery, or if he's living in fornication, or if he's living in thievery, Or if he's living in covetousness. He didn't say if somebody covets sometime. Or he commits something sometime. But he that is committing. He that is living in it. That's that's what we have here in the context. Whosoever committeth sin... Transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. Literally, that reads, sin is anomia. Anomia, the Greek word for law, is nomos. When you put the alpha privative on front of it, it's anomos, or anomia. In other words, no law. So he that committeth sin is an antinomian, in other words. And ye know that He was manifested to take away our sins, and in Him is no sin. Whosoever abideth in Him. Do you remember last Lord's Day? We uh, emphasized from... John chapter the Gospel of John chapter 14, what it is to abide in Christ and Christ to abide in us is by keeping His commandments. So whosoever abideth or liveth in sin, uh, abideth in him, I mean, sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth that is, committeth sin, habitually practice sin. See the E-T-H on the end. In fact, let me just read it that way. For, uh, that, for whosoever abideth in him does not continue in sin. Whosoever continueth in sin hath not seen him, neither known him. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that is righteous, or he that doeth righteousness, is righteous, even as he that is Christ is righteous. He that is continually practicing sin is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil." Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. For his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. In other words, a person that is born again by the Spirit of God has the seed of God in him. He does not practice sin. He doesn't live in sin. Verse 9 again. Whosoever is born of God does not commit sin for his seed remaineth in him and he cannot sin because he is born of God. In this, in what? In what we've just read. In this the children of God are manifest and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness, that is, he does not practice righteousness, is not of God, neither he that loveth his brother. So, again, while the child of grace, there's a struggle, and he still has the old Adamic nature, he does not walk, Practice, live, in sin. And though there is a struggle between the flesh and the spirit, as long as you are giving yourself up to be led by the Spirit of God, you are not under the law. And not only the Old Testament law, but you're not under any law principle whatsoever. We are under grace. We are under grace. Grace is stronger than the law. The law has no strength. All the law does is condemn. But the grace of God bringeth Salvation. Again, I want us to realize and to know that we're talking about a lifestyle. We're not talking about, in other words, if a person is a habitual liar, they are not under grace, they are under law, they are under sin. A child of grace may tell a lie. But he does not practice lying. A child of grace does not practice fornication, adultery, sodomy, murder, Theft, blaspheming God's name, taking God's name in vain. The child of grace does not practice doing those things. But we live in a world of professing Christians that look more like the world than anything else. Look at Romans chapter 6. If we had time, we would look at several verses of Romans chapter 6, but one should be sufficient for now. Verse 14 For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under law but under grace. Sin does not reign over a child of grace who has been re- regenerated by the Holy Spirit of God. I say again from 1 John 4, because greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. It's not because that we are, we're anything, it's because of the Spirit of God that is in us. Look at Matthew chapter 12. Picking up at verse 34. O generation of vipers, How can ye being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. You know sometimes you get around some people they profess to be Christian. If you just sit there and keep your mouth closed and listen to them pretty soon you're going to find stuff coming out of their mouth that's not Christ-like. Whatever your heart is filled with, you're going to talk about it. I don't remember exactly who or where or what it was recently that made me think of this verse but I was talking to somebody and I think they I don't think they were uh, uh, a normal acquaintance of mine, but there's something that good had happened to them, and just kindly out of nowhere they they told me about it. but the only reason they did is because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. You might be in a store sometime and some fellow walk in who's a fisherman. And he lets everybody in the store know what a big fish he caught that day. Why well he's happy he's his his mouth is full his heart is full with of of that i don't nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying anything wrong with it, but if our hearts are filled with the things of God, we're going to be talking about it, and somebody's heart is filled with the things of the world. That's what's going to come out verse thirty five a good man out of the out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth good things, and the evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. but I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. And if we listen to a lot of folks, it seems like by their words they're condemned. Though they profess to be Christian. But Paul tells us in the book of Galatians, that if you're Christ, You don't live that way as well as these other verses. Now verses back in Galatians 5, verses 19 through 21 gives a list of the works of the flesh or the lifestyles of one that is of the flesh. Now, I'm going to spare you, we're not going to do a word study on each one of these. (laughs) It would take us a couple of sermons just to do that. Now, I don't think it's needful that I do that. Some other time we might. Nor are we going to do a word study on the fruits of the Spirit that are mentioned in verses 22 and 23. And I want to say this, that this is not a comprehensive list. This is just a representative list. But you think about this again. I want to read this list again and I want to read it with the understanding that this is talking about somebody that is practicing These things. The works of the flesh. Are manifest which are these. Someone. Living in adultery. Living in fornication. Living in uncleanness. Living in lasciviousness. Lasciviousness living in idolatry, living in witchcraft. By the way, the word witchcraft there is where we get our English word pharmacy. Drugs, in other words. He that is living in hatred, That speaks a lot about what's going on in streets across this nation, doesn't it? I don't care if they profess to be Christian or not. If they're filled with hatred and practicing hatred, then they're they're not in the children, they're not in the kingdom of God. Strife that goes along with the wrath. Emulations, I mean, excuse me, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness. What do you see on your news when spring breaks come along and other holidays come along? Nothing but party after party after party, drunkenness after drunkenness after drunkenness. Living in revelings and other such like sins. They do not inherit the kingdom of God. They do not inherit the kingdom of God. <clears throat> now, like this is not a comprehensive list, and neither are others, but I want us to read a few other lists. Look at Matthew, now, excuse me, Mark chapter seven. While you're turning there, we'll say more about it when we when we get to it. But in Galatians chapter three, chapter five, uh, and verse twenty four, which is after what we're reading here, it says, "And they that are Christ have crucified the the lust, uh, the flesh, with the affections and lusts." But Mark chapter seven. Verse 20 And he said Jesus said That which cometh out of the man That defileth the man For within Out of the heart of men Proceed evil thoughts Adulteries Fornications Murders Thefts Covetousness Wickedness Deceit Lasciviousness An evil eye Blasphemy Pride Foolishness all these evil things come from within and defile the man. I want to emphasize one thing in there pride is never mentioned in the Bible in a good light. I've changed using the word pride for thankful. And I was told recently when I changed that on a birthday card that I sent to someone, struck out pride, put thankful for them in there. Uh, I was told never to do that again or never send a card like that again. <clears throat> and this person knew that I'd practice that all my life. Well, my point is, The world hates such things as that. Everybody's proud of everything. But that's one of those evil things that condemn the heart. I won't take the time to read the list in Romans chapter 1 and 2. Let's go to First Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 9. I wrote unto you in an epistle not to company with fornicators. Not only... Should fornicators, are fornicators not in the kingdom of God? Children of God are not to be, be in company with such. Yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world, or with covetous, or with extortioners, or idolaters, for then you must needs go out of the world. But we're not to company with fornicators. In chapter 6 of 1 Corinthians, Know ye not, verse 9, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers with themse- themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom of God? I'm going to skip over Ephesians 5, verses 3 through 5, and Colossians 5 through 8. First Timothy chapter 1. Now notice it's just over and over and over and over again God tells us this. 1 Timothy 1 9. Knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and for sinners, for unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for whoremongers, for them that defile themselves with mankind, that's sodomites, for men stealers, or for liars, for perjured persons, and if there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine. 2 Timothy chapter 3 starting verse 1 Know this also that in the last days perilous times shall come For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. Boy, there's a large one, isn't it? Notice, blasphemers, proud, lovers of their own selves, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, of such turn away. Of such turn away. You think the Lord is telling us something? Telling us not to company with such folks? And you who know the Scriptures, you know that I could add to this list many, many, many more. Many, many, many more. One of the things that God hates that He talks about in Proverbs chapter 6 is he that sows discord among the brethren? Without reading history of Christianity I'm just going to ask you to think in your own lifetime. And I know I can think in my lifetime. Of individuals in congregations where I have where I where I have been members that have sown discord among us. God didn't say that he hated the discord. He said he hated those that sowed the discord. That's powerful. That's powerful. I think I mentioned to you Brother Wallace and another minister a few years ago went to see a a well-known minister in their area to try to talk to them about getting peace among the denomination in the area in which they lived. And this well-known minister said, yes, he was for peace. He was, he'd like to talk to them about getting peace and so on. But he, he had an important appointment and he couldn't do it that day come to find out his important appointment was going fishing with the deacon. That was more important than peace. The fruits of the flesh are quite, quite condemning. But the fruits of the Spirit are quite refreshing. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meek, temperance. And I, I like the end of that verse twenty three. Against such there is no law. You know that you can there's not a law that you can love too much, or that you can have too much peace, or too much long suffering, or too much joy in the Lord. You can just do those things as much as you want to, not worry about it. How much you do. Again, this is a representative list. I like what Luther said about these. Let me read this to you. It had been it had been enough to have said love and no more for love extendeth itself unto all the fruits of the spirit and in first corinthians 13 paul attributed to love all the fruits which are done in the spirit when he said saith love is patient courteous and so on notwithstanding he would set it here by itself among the rest of the fruits of the Spirit, and in the first place, whereby to admonish the Christians that before all things they should love one another, giving honor one to another through love, and every man esteeming better of another than himself, because they have Christ and the Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, dwelling in them, and because of the Word, baptism, and other gifts of God which Christians have. And I remind you of First Thessalonians 4.9. In fact, I'm just going to turn there and read it. Give you time to turn and read it so you can see it. But as touching brotherly love, ye need not that I write unto you, for ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. God's children are going to love God's children because God teaches them that. You remember we read this morning in John 6, 44 and 45, particularly 45, where He said, and they shall all be taught of God. Not only is love taught, but all of these other fruits That's mentioned in Galatians 5:22 and 23. Just like the works of the Spirit, the works of the, excuse me, just like the works of the flesh, the works of the Spirit will reflect the lifestyle of the believer. In other words, the believer is an individual that's living in love. He's living in joy. He's living in peace. He's living in long suffering. He's living in gentleness. He's living in goodness. He's living in faith. He's living in meekness. He's living in temperance. This is descriptive of a child of grace. The other things are descriptive... Of a child of the devil. And what did Jesus say? By their fruits, what? Ye shall know them. By their fruit, ye shall know them. It is seeing such fruits in one's life. That verifies that he loves God. That he is keeping God's commandments. That he is abiding in Christ and in the Father. Which we saw last Lord's Day in John 14 verses 15 and verses 21 through 24. Yes, these graces abide in the believer. These graces abide in the believer. I want to read something that A.T. Robertson said about this. Only those taught of God keep on loving one another, love neighbors and even enemies as Jesus taught in Matthew 5.44. Note the use of the word agapeo and not phileo. In other words, uh, the highest form of love. That is, while Philadelphia is used for brotherly love in the first part of the verse. Agapeo is used in the last part showing that these are things of the, of the Spirit of God. And when it says that they are taught of God, that's a compound word that just, just, just simply says God teaches That's talking about 1 Thessalonians 4 9. And of this verse, uh, Gill said, Not merely by the light of nature, which teaches men to be kind, courteous, affable, and benefic- beneficent, nor by the law of Moses, which obliges men to love their neighbors as themselves nor only doctrinally by the ministry of the gospel, which frequently inculcates the exercise of this grace as a matter of great importance and consequence, nor only by the new commandment and example of Christ, but by the Spirit of God internally in regeneration, who according to the tenor of the new covenant writes this law of love, that is, and you should, that you're should—that you taught of God to love one another, this love of God, uh, this love, uh, 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 this law of love and of Christ upon the heart, and this being written upon the hearts of the Thessalonians by the finger of God, whereby they were dearly uh, uh, directed and powerfully taught to exercise this grace and discharge this duty, and under the influence of the same Spirit did exercise it, it was necessary for the apostle to write about it and press them to it. Verse twenty four, Galatians five, they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. Paul makes it plain that the Christian crucifies the flesh with the affections and lusts. This is without question. Those who teach otherwise are classified according to 1st Timothy chapter 6. Those who teach otherwise consent not... Uh, verses 3 and 5. 1st Timothy 6, 3. If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness... He is proud, knowing nothing but doting about questions and strifes of words whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmising, perverse disputings of men of corrupt mind, and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness from such withdraw thyself. Verse 25, if we live in the Spirit, this is back in Galatians 5. Galatians 5.25, if we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. It is obvious that if we live in the Spirit, we will be walking in the Spirit. Then verse 26, the last verse. This verse on the surface seems to be out of place. However, by joining it with the The first of chapter 6, and we'll look at that when we get to that next time, Lord willing. We find it apropos to the context. When we find ourselves walking in the Spirit, unless we are on our guard, we will become proud and possibly fall into the trap of the Pharisees. See Luke 18, verses 9 through 14. Walking in the spirit should never cause us to compare ourselves with others. Let me look read that in closing, Luke eighteen, verses nine through fourteen. Well, I don't have time to read it. You know what it is. Talking about the Pharisee and the publican that went down to the house to pray. If we have the right spirit and walking in the spirit, we'll have the same spirit and attitude as that publican that said, Lord, Have mercy mercy on me, a sinner. The Lord willing, we'll say more about that when we take up in chapter 6. Let's pray. Help us to be mindful, our God. To check ourselves and how we're living, how we're walking more than always trying to pass judgment on everyone else. Help us to get the beam out of our eye. Because if we are trying to get the speck out of somebody else's eye when we only can see the beam in our our eye, all we'll do is gouge their eye out. So while by the fruit you shall know them, may we take it to heart more than having a spirit of censor against everyone else without looking into our own souls. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.